Welcome to the Deep Fried Cheese Nerds Podcast, Episode 5, Week 4. My name is Shiloh, and I'm joined today by... Ryan. And Cody. Let me tell you guys, I am just so stressed out by the Packers right now. I'm okay with winning ugly, and a win is a win. But winning ugly against a third-string, off-the-bench rookie, it's a little freaky. Um, This defense is supposed to be the most dominant defense we've had in over a decade but they almost got zapped. So what's the source of these struggles? Uh, we're going to get into it. But first, uh, how'd you guys do in fantasy football this weekend? I took my first loss in our league. It was a very close game, came down to the wire. I needed Brandon Ayuk to do something. Just do anything. Lamar kind of let me down this week. I ended up losing by six six 6.2 points to my uh, brother-in-law. So that one stung. He wasn't able to do it for you, was he? No, he wasn't. Mm, mm. Me, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, I had a very good week. Well, um, let me rephrase that. I had a bittersweet week. Mostly sweet, though. Um, I am one of the many, many Javante Williams owners out there, and I had to grieve the loss of a potential superstar for the year. Um, apart from that, though, the rest of my team showed up in a big way. I was the top scorer in my league for the week. And uh, I am now at a healthy 2-2. Two and two. I was not so lucky. Um, to put my season in perspective, through four weeks, I've gotten 3.6 total points out of my tight end spot. Ouch. This week, I faced Josh Jacobs. Uh, who had a career day, by the way. Naturally. I don't think he scored more than 12 points the last three weeks. Decides to put up 32 against me. Uh, might have lost my 1-1 overall pick, Jonathan Taylor. But Dobbins was good. But yeah, I lost by uh, 37 points. Oof. <laughs> I think I'm. I think it's tradition for me to start out 0 and 4 or 1 and 3 <laughs> at this point. You you are a former league champion, so there's always hope. And I'm. I keep trying to tell myself, just like three years ago, two three years ago, I was in the finals, and yeah. I got steamrolled by the undefeated team. But <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I was there. Silver lining, right? Yep. Had to have done something right at the time. Get one of those participation banners from the Colts. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, from fantasy to reality, we got some major developments for the Packers and the NFL as a whole. Sadly, Adrian Amos, one of our safeties, uh, suffered a concussion after a really, really good tackle um, this Sunday against the Patriots. Uh, unsure how long he'll be out if he misses time at all, but with the concussion news recently with Tua and everything, you're never sure how this kind of stuff is going to pan out. And a concussion is never good. So we hope he gets back healthy. We hope he comes back soon. Yeah, best of luck to Amos. Our star left tackle, David Bakhtiari, had no setbacks that we know of and played 70 of 73 snaps after being on a snap count last week. So, boy, is it good to see him back. It, it, was, it was looking bad. It was looking like he was going to retire for a while there, but it's it's nice to see him back where he's supposed to be. And presumably he hasn't missed a step. Another good uh, development here. Pretty big one. The Packers. 
with that win against the Patriots, they now have 785 uh, wins as a franchise that ties the Bears for the most by any franchise in NFL history, which uh, the Bears have owned that top spot since 1921. So mm. just one little more check mark for Rodgers saying he owned the Bears. We're going to head into NFL Gossip Corner for a second here because, boy, there's some steamy tea out there. Let's get into the hot goss. Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen have hired divorce attorneys. Trouble in paradise. It looks like it. Antonio Brown threw a little shade at Brady this weekend by posting a picture on Instagram of him and Giselle hugging on the football field. So just kind of adding to the drama. <laughs> I think I think Jets and Bills and Dolphins fans will be happy if you know Tom Brady comes back from retirement and then ends up divorced because of it. So that's like the only time they'll ever win against him, I guess. They'll get their <laughs> they got their revenge. The the last laugh. It makes you wonder during the Jets game last year when Antonio Brown ran across the field and did the peace sign, who was waiting for him at the end of that tunnel? Oh maybe boy. she was there. Yep. Oh, that is some unverified tea right there. <laughs> Have you guys read the the list of all of Antonio Brown's weird stuff he's done? Yeah, we should do like maybe an episode of just reading that and i think it would take you know <laughs> good hour yeah right it, it all started with that boot to the face of that punter his <laughs> career went downhill after that man talk about what what a weird trajectory for this guy like i i don't before because everyone points to the perfect hit where he started acting weird afterwards it's weird i don't remember him acting out like this before that yeah and it one other weird thing about it is I forget who I heard say this, but it's weird that he's kind of coming after Tom Brady. Cause if anybody, it kind of seemed like Brady was in his corner, you know, rooting for the guy and hoping for the best. And then to kind of throw the shade at what it might be Tom Brady's darkest moments. It feels vindictive for sure. And it feels just another drop in the bucket of Antonio Brown is kind of unhinged and really shouldn't be trusted around anybody. Yeah, there's a video um, by That's Good Sports on YouTube talking about Antonio Brown and how his career has gone. So check that out if you like Antonio Brown shenanigans. Moving on from the crazies and into the what must be the most frustrating thing for a fan base to go through right now. Um, the Lions out of Detroit are the number one offense in the NFL, and yet they're sitting at one and three. Can you imagine putting up that many points and being that good on offense and just not being able to win a game? I feel so bad for them. I'm rooting for the Lions, obviously second to the Packers, but I have so much hope for them, and they just keep on getting heartbroken. Yep, if you would have told a Lions fan this last weekend, like, hey, guess what? You're going to put up 45 points against the Geno Smith Seahawks. You would think that... Uh, they would have been pretty happy, but monkey's paw situation didn't go the right way. Speaking of Seahawks, don't know if you saw it or not. Another major NFL development, DK had to poop. <laughs> yep. he, he had to be carted off the field because he was afraid of walking and unclinching. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been yeah, there. Man. I know it. Um, if I, I was... We've been there, but I don't think I've ever been carted to a, to a can, you know? <laughs> But you wish you could have been. Yeah, if, if the option was there, I may have, you know, 
because then I can like lean back, straighten out, and just power clench. <laughs> um, it's kind of wasn't that Lamar Jackson last year that uh, possibly had to take a bathroom break during a game. Yeah, I believe he did. I I think it's been a multiple game thing, if I'm not mistaken. Did you know that he eats like an absolute ton of chicken Alfredo before like each game or something like that? <laughs> what, whatever works. <laughs> Just lock it up. You know Just... how like you know like how uh, Goku wore you know the gravity, and then once he gets on a lighter gravity, he. <laughs> He's so much stronger and faster. I think that's Lamar. The first half, he's just weighed down by all this uh, Alfredo. <laughs> and then once he relieves himself, he's just that much better. Um, yeah. Getting away from that story a little bit, the Patriots are going to wear their Pat Patriot throwback unis for the first time in a decade next week. So uh, those are some of my favorite throwbacks, and I'll be looking forward to that. But yeah. I think I think I've talked enough about players' bowel movements for the day, but maybe after the podcast we can talk a little bit more. For now, we have a bone to pick with uh, these referees yet again. We just talked last week about not wanting to be that kind of fan, but come on, guys, what's going on here? Um, that delay of game missed call almost cost us this game our defense was clicking they had just gotten called for a delay of game the previous call and then we all watched as that timer ticked down and then restarted before the play even started but no sign of a flag at all and it felt like an eternity what did you guys do while you were waiting for the delay of game penalty to get thrown i had enough time to get a load of laundry in I actually uh, solved my first Rubik's Cube. I actually refereed a high school football game, and I threw a flag for delay of game. I watched everybody's favorite episode of The Office entitled Scott's Tots. Hold on. You guys ever see that episode um, of Star Trek Next Generation, Cause and Effect? Uh, Basically, the same thing happened to me. (laughs) That's it. You didn't get that. Uh, go watch the entirety of Star Trek The Next Generation. You'll be doing yourself a favor. Yeah, it, it's just frustrating. That delay of game penalty nearly cost us this game. Yeah, I mean, for for a play to go from potentially, I think it would have been third and 15, to then going to a touchdown, it's just uh, took the took the wind right out of us. It took the wind out, and it gave them new life. And it just, it all happened so fast, like... No penalty. Oh, it's a huge touchdown. They're celebrating, and now we're losing, you know, 24 to 17. It's uh, those momentum shifts. You know, we're, we're lucky we climbed out of it because that was scary. If you have a question for the Cheese Nerds about the Packers, the NFL, or ourselves, you can contact us on Twitter at DF Cheese Nerds. What was you guys' favorite game of the week? I actually really enjoyed the uh, Bills Ravens game partly because of Dobbins and being on my fantasy team, but also it's, I love kind of watching the the power struggle between the AFC teams right now. There's just so many good ones. And uh, it's a far cry from, you know, when the NFC was winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. I, I watched the Bills Ravens game. Also, I had a vested interest with Josh Allen. Um, he's a fun quarterback to watch. 
he he's he makes a lot of exciting plays and then you've got Lamar on the other side that was a that was a fun game for me it was uh Seahawks versus the Lions talked about it a little bit earlier I would have rather seen the Lions pull away with that one 22 points in the fourth they almost did but just the crazy stat lines like Goff 378 yards and four touchdowns you know uh TJ Hawkinson 179 yards also on my fantasy team so that helped me out a little bit and then the Seahawks, I mean, DK Metcalf, 149 yards, zero touchdowns, but one splashdown. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising to see Geno Smith there playing so well. It's almost like when he threw for eight touchdowns long ago against, I think it was Baylor, but he, um, it's finally paying off. He's finally showing up. It's It only took, um, you know, <laughs> 10 years. But he's here. Gino has arrived. Yeah, he finally got here. I remember coming out of coming out of that draft. He was he fell pretty far in that draft, and I, I assumed he'd have like a massive chip on his shoulder because of it. But apparently, it wasn't enough to propel him forward until now. So anyway, let's move on to some Packer talk. This was a frustrating game. We talked about the um, we talked about the delay of game penalty. But what else did we learn from this game? Yeah, we need to find an answer for that run defense. We need to be able to stop them, especially looking at the schedule. We got, like, the next seven weeks, we have some tough running backs to go against, so we need to figure it out quick. And then next week we get Saquon Barkley bright and early, for us anyway. Yeah, that, that run defense, especially the uh, the outside runs, it felt like we were getting gashed to the outside all game. I know we we mentioned Ramondre and Damian Harris being the biggest threats on that team last week. But after Poyer went down, I mean, the the game plan had to be run the ball, run the ball, even with Hoyer in there. And then when he went down, how do you not send, you know, eight out of 11 players after the running back every single time? Uh, in addition, the offense still looked a little rough. Looked better in the second half, but man, that first half was... Rodgers throwing pick sixes, drops, the drops, the pressure on Rodgers. It just uh, the running game was good, but not great. Um, it took a while for us to get our motor running, and you don't want to see that. It's like you can see the talents there, but it's just the little things like, well, I guess I don't know if I would call it a little thing, but just catching the ball would be nice. And it would, I think improve the offense a lot i thought i saw something earlier today about the packers having like uh a lot more big plays than you would expect off the year i think you're right i think i saw it somewhere that they're first or second in explosive plays on the year mm-hmm. yeah I, like you said the potential is there we we have all the tools to be a really good offense you know watson is coming along nicely dobbs looks like a superstar that offensive line is finally healthy, but I don't think we quite have the right combination yet. Once we get there, I mean, this could be a hell of a team. Yeah, just to touch on that before, Packers, they're, uh, after four weeks, they're actually tied in for second for most explosive plays in the NFL. And like, how, who expected that, considering our wide receiver room was going to be rookies and people Rodgers had never played with before? And, I mean take some of them drops out of there and turn it into a catch. I think it's easily that we're number one. I mean, 
just this last game alone, we had a few huge plays that turned into nothing. Yep, and you know the the dropped uh, Christian Watson bomb would have just if all the drops didn't happen this season, I think we would be a lot happier about the state of things because if you look at it with the games they've played it kind of seems like and like what you were talking about earlier shiloh it's like it seems like each game that the packers play it's like a different uh part of the team is stepping up you know like uh well not in the vikings game but like the defense against the buccaneers the offense aaron jones against the chicago bears you know it's but they all it just has to all come together at some yeah. point and then i but i think this team will be you know if they can just all be on the same page yeah if if all three phases start clicking watch out we could be the best team in the nfc i think the most important thing is our offense finding a rhythm and finding obviously trust is something we keep harping about between rogers and his receivers I don't think it's a lack of trust. I think it's just a lack of chemistry right now. But I think you can build that chemistry. Um, meanwhile, you have to lean on Aaron Jones because he is just amazing. On Sunday, he had 16 carries for 110 yards. He's currently averaging 6.8 yards per carry. That's third in the NFL. That's incredible. Looking at that stat line, it kind of surprised me. Watching the game, it didn't seem like it was... Uh that big of a game for Aaron Jones. Uh, granted, I don't have Jones or Dylan on my fantasy team, so I, I wasn't really watching stats in that comparison. But to look after the pack and see that he had 110 yards on 16 carries, it, it actually uh, quite surprised me. Yeah, and that's not even all that much receiving work either. I think he had three receptions for four yards. So that's something you can probably improve on is getting Jones involved in the passing game a lot more. I mean, Lazard, Dobbs, Watson, they all showed flashes in this game, but Jones is your workhorse. He's the guy you got to go to. Yeah, he's the he's the heart and soul of the offense. You know, he's the only one that's, you know, been consistent so far. Well, with this podcast, I have uh, one of my buddies, Sal, has been sending me some uh, stats to talk about on this. And one that I found pretty interesting was that Romeo Dobbs, he had 19 catches, for 184 yards and two touchdowns in the first four games this year. Ooh. And if we're looking at a 16-game pace, that puts him on track for 76 catches, 736 yards, and eight touchdowns. Comparing that to Devontae's rookie season, he had 38 for 446 yards and three touchdowns. Cobb, 25 catches, 375 with a touchdown. And Jordy, or Jordy Burgers, <laughs> <laughs> 33 catches, for 366 yards and two TDs. So, I mean, we'll talk about it a little later. Everything in my body wanted me to make him the Golden Brown player of the week, but he just needs to show more consistency. A couple of that fumble and that um, drop touchdown, it just bumped him off the list for me. One thing I'm noticing about Romeo, and I saw this in the preseason too, um, he is really good at catching the ball. His ball security immediately after the catch is a little questionable. I've seen at least three or four instances with Dobbs where he makes an amazing catch and then he just doesn't hold on to the ball. It either gets punched out or he can't hold on to it through contact with the ground. 
I think that's something as a rookie you just work on is, you know, completing the catch and following through. That's something like you, yeah, you can make the amazing catch, but you have to be worried about five seconds after the catch too. It's nice that these mistakes, other than the Viking game where we had a drop pass from Watson, but it's nice that these mental and physical errors on these new wide receivers, these rookies, it's great that it's happening and we're still getting a win out of it. I mean, that's where we're talking about potential. You know, they go back to practice. They're probably trying all that stuff, trying to knock the ball out of his hands and working on ball security. So I'm all for learning. Just keep the winning going. Yeah. You you mentioned um, Adams, Cobb, and Nelson during their rookie years. One of the big differences between them and where Dobbs is at right now is while they were rookies, they had an alpha receiver they could learn from. Um, Nelson was learning from Jennings when he came in. Uh, Cobb was then learning from Nelson, and same with Devante. They had somebody that could sort of carry the team forward while they learned. Romeo is kind of being thrown in the deep end here. Watson is an explosive player, but he hasn't shown the, the consistency that Dobbs has, or he hasn't been shown as much volume as Dobbs has. So Dobbs has a lot of weight on his shoulders to be like a possession slash explosive slash uh, Devonta Adams type receiver right away. And it's it's cool to see him uh, stepping up to the plate. He just needs to work out some of those rookie mistakes. Uh, I know we've been saying like future Hall of Famer Romeo Dobbs, but, you know, who knows? At this point, we can uh, maybe expect some greatness out of him. Yeah, I mean, we we do say that a lot, kind of joking around, but also kind of not. I mean, he's showing ability well beyond his years. Yep, a rookie fourth rounder. It's like you don't expect them to come out and compete. But I believe Stefan Diggs was a fourth rounder as well. So, you know, you can find gems anywhere in the draft, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Donald Driver was undrafted. So I'm excited to see where Dobbs gets to with more training, with more work with Rodgers more work with Cobb. I'm sure he can help him a lot. Uh, I've heard reports of Dobbs coming in after practice or after hours to work on the jugs machine. Yeah, it's it's um, he's got all the tools. It's exciting to see a lot of potential there. I think he's also in the like top five for rookie of the year odds. So uh, somebody else whose odds have gone way up. Rashawn Gary now has the second best odds in the league for defensive player of the year. And the defense, they almost got embarrassed by a third string rookie. Watching that game, you would think the defense was looking kind of shakier, but I don't think it was as bad as it looked. I think the defense played pretty well. And the only reason it was as close as it was was because of some really bad calls and one really terrible decision by Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think throughout the whole game, actually, until, I don't know, last quarter or whenever we got it, we had to catch up. You know, whenever they got a score ahead, I had no, like, worries at all. Like, once Hoyer went out and we're looking at Bailey Zappi (laughs) playing against us, and he was what was he like seventh round rookie or something Fourth like round. fourth round rookie yeah he's just i thought it was going to be complete domination and it felt like complete domination but that score you know what i mean like how how was it even this close i don't know who you would i don't i think obviously you'd have to 
put it on the defense considering the offense doesn't score against the offense but this game should have been a a blowout and <laughs> Bailey Zappy <laughs> took us to overtime I think I think okay this is going to sound a little weird I think it was a blowout it's kind of weird to say that about a game that we had to rely on a last second field goal to win but if you look at the defensive performance after going up 24 to 17 with 11 minutes 14 seconds left in the game the defense only gave up 15 yards total for the rest of the game so that includes overtime they got three three and outs in a row and they really only gave up 13 points the delay of game mishap that may have only resulted in a field goal i mean if that delay of game is called they get pushed back even further our defense was playing really well at that point and um who knows if they even get the field goal on that turn they might have scored again they might have scored a touchdown but i kind of doubt it and then rogers interception gave them a free seven points basically they might have only given up 13 points yeah it's kind of like you know back when we were talking about week one um against the vikings where we brought up that uh the they only gave up six points in the second half against the Vikings. I might be the only one that thinks this way, and it's kind of an odd way to think about it. But when Rodgers has one of those mental errors or bad throws, and, you know, this one turned into six points the other way, but once he gets that out of the way, I, every time he has the ball, I think, well, statistically that's not going to happen again this game. You know, you never know what's going to happen. But in my head when I'm thinking about, like, stats and all that, I'm like, you know, what are the chances he's going to throw another interception? He's so careful with the ball usually. And so it's kind of nice to get it all the way sometimes. Did you guys hear that was only his second pick six in his entire career at Lambeau? Yeah. That's oh. insanity. Hopefully his last two. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Also, um, the secondary. I, I'm I'm really liking what I see from the secondary, especially uh, making tackles in the backfield. There were three plays in particular that stood out to me. Three really good tackles in the backfield by the secondary. Rasul Douglas had a tackle on a quick pass on second and eight in the first. Adrian Amos got a beautiful open field tackle on second and eight in the first also. Uh, but unfortunately, that led to a concussion. He was out for the rest of the game. And then um, Darnell Savage, another open field tackle on second and one in the second quarter. This secondary is really good at those quick passes out to the flat. They're really good at attacking that. And I feel like it's been that way since Jair got here. Yep, and they were able to do that, you know, put up this performance without Jair. The pass rush also was amazing this game with uh, Rashawn Gary with the two sacks just alone. I think there were four on the day total. I know the Packers are known for their offensive linemen and the offensive line, but the defensive line is looking mighty fine. That was unintentional. (laughs) QB pressure is so important, especially against a young QB. Uh, Getting a hand in his face, making him make quick decisions when he's not ready for it, that's that's where you win games. Um, As far as special teams... It felt a little like a step backwards this week. Um, not as tight coverage on the punts, but I think that had something to do with um, Ford not being a gunner. 
he was stepping in for an injured Jair Alexander, so he wasn't as available on special teams when punts came around. It didn't feel quite as secure as last week in the punting game, but thankfully another side of the special team showed up in a big way. Yeah, Mason Crosby's just Mr. Reliable. And then on the other side of it, Pat O'Donnell. I mean, he just continues to impress. He had five punts, two of them within the 20-yard line. That puts him at 11 inside the 20 this year. I mean, I don't know where that is ranking-wise, but it seems like a pretty uh, pretty great stat to me. Feels pretty good. It, it allows our defense to just tee off. We're not sweating it out. <laughs> knowing that we're going to at least give up three points after the punt, you know? Yep. I still cringe every time uh, <laughs> it goes back to Amari. And... Oh, we're going we're gonna to talk about him more later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think a loss here would have been pretty embarrassing with the Patriots' third-string rookie out there. But I think we have to remember that Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he adapted to Zappi's strengths in a hurry. The offense is going through growing pains, and the next three weeks, I think we're going to have a lot of good opportunities to exercise some of our demons and maybe get some momentum going. Okay, guys, should we give out some awards? Sounds good. Ready. Let's talk about some undercooked curds of the week. Who do you guys have? For me, it's a pretty easy decision. I think the undercooked curd of the week goes to the sound guy that didn't cut <laughs> off the F-bomb from Rodgers. <laughs> Trying to catch him with too many men on the field. Myers didn't give him the ball, and uh, if you didn't hear it, Rodgers dropped a hard F-bomb telling him to snap the ball. So <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually missed it. Um, I was actually tending to my buffalo dip and just <laughs> couldn't hear it. I think yeah. Rodgers was tending to his buffalo dip as well. I just picture the sound guy like scrambling to try to find the mute button, and he hit it just after the f bomb and during the ball, <laughs> he muted ball. So just gotta yeah. stay on top of your game, sound guy. He did that a couple of times. Um, Tyler Davis, eighty four, got got he caught himself an f bomb too when he wasn't quite in position. Yeah, my my undercooked card of the week is an Amari Rogers. I just, I feel bad for the guy, but he's just not the answer. I'm not sure if we're giving him so much leeway to like protect his pride, but he just doesn't show me anything. The guy had two punt returns for a total of 11 yards. And one of those punts, he had a good 15 yards between him and the gunner when he caught the punt and he couldn't even beat the one guy. You're supposed to be able to at least make one guy miss, and he couldn't do that. He just looks slow. He looks like he's running in cement. He just doesn't show me anything. Yeah, I think we have to make a change or something. We shouldn't be having a Rogers returning punts at no. this at his age. <laughs> if you've got a Rogers returning punts, you're gonna have a bad time. For me, it's got to be Elton Jenkins, the Swiss Army knife, but more like a. I don't know, like a Swiss cheese <laughs> on the line. He's got such talent, and he's proved it for so long, stepping up at every spot on the line, but something's not working here with him. So hopefully they can fix that, and he doesn't get bullied by Matt Judon again. I've seen a lot of people calling for Yash to take over right tackle duties and then move Elton back inside as a guard. And I don't hate that plan. 
but I do remember um, Yash is a full-time left tackle. He has not played any other position, and he's very good as a left tackle, but that doesn't necessarily mean the skills will translate to right tackle. Um, it's a completely different position with a completely different skill set and completely different goals. So I want to see Elton succeed. We, I mean, like you said, he's got all the skill in the world. He could be one of the best. And like I said earlier, we just need to find the right combination. All right, let's, uh, let's get back to the good news. Let's pick a golden Brown player of the week. Cody, you want to start? As soon as I heard you say golden Brown player of the week, I immediately thought of the silver Fox himself, Mason touch of gray Crosby. Oh yeah. (laughs) Hairiest arms in the West. Yep. He, you know, for a guy that almost started the season on the pup, I think they activated him right before week one. Right. So he didn't even have like a training camp or anything. It was the other guy uh, kicking balls. So, and he's, I think he's, I looked this up. He's about three months older than Rogers. So, and we talk about Rogers getting old, but Mason Crosby is older. So, oh, kicker trivia for you here. Who was the kicker that kicked the kick that Desmond Howard returned in uh, the Super Bowl? Um, oh, man. Oh, boy. That's 96. Uh, I couldn't even tell you. Uh, I, Chris Ryan Jackie. Longwell? <laughs> It was actually Adam Vinatieri. No way. Yep. How old is he? He's very old. <laughs> He's 49. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that would have been like, that must have been right around his rookie year then. That was his rookie year. Wow. Okay. That's uh, a little bit of a shock. A little huh. bit of a zap. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he pronounces it Zappy. Oh, sorry. French, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Ryan, who do you got for a Golden Brown player this week? I got Lazard. No touchdowns this week, but just reliable. Six catches, 116 yards. Seemed to come up big when we needed him. I said it before. I wanted to go with uh, Romeo Dobbs so bad, but too many crucial errors that were huge plays. So I'm giving it to Lazard. He had a pretty awesome game. He set yeah. the tone early too. That that slant right off the bat that went for 15, 20 yards was a beauty. There's one where he shook off a defender and got a first. So seemed like every time he got the ball, it was like a nice play, you know, like one that looks good. Yeah. Sunday was the first game where I saw Lazard play like a wide receiver one. The most experienced wide receiver on the field. He he was just solid all day. Uh for me. The Golden Brown Player of the Week is Rashawn Gary. He has arrived, and barring injury, I think he wins Defensive Player of the Year this year. This was an absolute statement game and a hell of a start to the season. He had seven tackles, two sacks, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. Plus, he was a major reason that J. Ron Reed got his sack. Rashawn Gary is exciting, and he's only 24 years old. He is going to be a staple of this defense for many years to come. I remember when they drafted him, a lot of people, like, it came to the conclusion that he wouldn't be good. He was a raw player because I think he only had, I don't know, 10, I thought it was, 10 sacks in his whole college career. 
So to take a guy in the first round, wasn't he like a top 15 pick? Yeah, I think we took him at 12, didn't we? So at the time, investing, you know, the 12th overall pick into a raw player who didn't have the sacks, didn't have the stats, you know, um, and then for him to just get continually better each year, each season that goes by. And then now, you know, in his fourth year, he's looking at defensive player of the year nods. So I, I love that pick and I'm glad it so far has turned out, you know, I think he's only um, missed one game, only one game he didn't play in. I haven't seen one yet. I don't know if he's picked one out, but Rashawn needs a signature sack dance. Uh, Our final award for the night, our deep fried play of the game. I'm picking our final play on defense for the night. The overtime third and five at the Packers 46. I mean, our defense came together. There were at least three major contributors to finishing that off. Gary gave pressure on the outside, which pushed Zappi to his right. Clark is right there getting in his face, so Zappi has to throw low. And then Ford dives in to break the pass and force the punt that we then drove down the field and got our field goal off of. It was a prime example of what this defense can do when it's fired up, playing together, and focused. So deep fried play of the game goes to that third and five dagger. For me, it was another defensive player. On the first drive, the Patriots were just going down the field what looked like with ease. And then it was second and eight. As you talked about before, Shiloh, Rasul Douglas, just a nice open field tackle. Two-yard loss, making it third and ten, which then turned into a uh, a field goal. So, you know, the bend-don't-break motto here. So, I got to go with uh, Mr. Watson getting his first regular season NFL touchdown. Could have been his second, but <laughs> I think we gotta guy. let him. I think we gotta <laughs> let him forget that one. <laughs> I don't think anyone will ever forget. You'll follow him, Miss <laughs> Watson. If you're watching this, we will never forget. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Watson. He dropped that pass. <laughs> <laughs> we will forgive though, and we'll we'll just be looking at him like, mm-hmm. are you gonna catch this one? I had a little honorable mention. Another weird stat. Romeo Dobbs, when he was seven years old, was when Rodgers threw his first career NFL touchdown. Well, on Sunday, Romeo Dobbs caught his 500th touchdown. So just another nice play there. That was an important touchdown, too. Um, We struggle in the red zone a little bit. So having Romeo catch that pass and seeing him uh, and the route he ran for it was just very impressive. And then he fought his way into the end zone. So um, that that's, that's just more evidence of his potential. So hopefully he builds on that. And he'll have a chance to build on it across the pond in Jollyo, London. <laughs> uh, Next week, the Packers take their very first trip to London. Did you guys know there have been NFL London games since 2008? Wow. I think I think one year they even had a like it was around the same time two thousand nine maybe, I think they didn't they have a game in Mexico as well. Didn't they just have a Mex? No, it was supposed to be a Mexico game. That was the big shootout between uh, 
you know, um, the Rams and Chiefs that like where they put oh, each right. put up a 50 burger. That was supposed to be in Mexico, I believe. That was a oh. more recent Mexico one, but I, I I don't know about the 2009 one though. Well, now this year we've got one in Germany, but um, the uh, just the someone they 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 ran that stat on Sunday that we've been having London games since 2008, and it just was a little wild to me, kind of shocked me. I always they always talk about they do these London games to try to bring more British fans in and maybe eventually get a team in Great Britain. But it's been like more than a decade now, and I don't think they're any closer to a team over in London. So I don't think the plan is working, boys. I forgot what play it was from this last London game. Um, but there was another call that should have been called, or but it wasn't. It was missed. And I seen somebody make a TikTok of the fans that were screaming. You could you could lip sync, or you could read their lips, and it, they were saying "throw the flag." But he said, "I can't get this out of my mind." Just looking at them and saying, "Throw the flag, mate! Throw the flag!" <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So this will be the Packers' first London game in franchise history. So we'll get to watch the Packers bright and early at eight thirty a.m. This actually counts as one of our home games. Um, yeah, how are we feeling about the Packers versus the Giants? Well, first of all, how many times do you think they're going to be uh, showing Rogers' doppelganger? He's got to be in attendance, right? Oh, he's got to be. That's a short trip for him, I think. <laughs> I don't know European geography. He's in Germany. Well. Munich, right? Yeah. Maybe that's as far away as Wisconsin to California. I really <laughs> yeah. don't know. Whatever. Um, yeah how do you guys feel about the Packers versus the Giants in London I think it's going to be another tough game for us just on kind of exploiting our weaknesses I hope we pull together here I hope we worked on it this short week here I'm not sure when they're flying over but I'm actually looking forward to waking up early having my cup of coffee and watching pregame and you know uh seeing Rodgers come out of the tunnel pick up his broom they unleash the golden snitch. I think it's going to be <laughs> going to be a great game of Quidditch over in England. There, let's hope Watson can hold on to that quaffle. Gesundheit. <laughs> <Kazoon tight. laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think besides this London game, I think our next three games are actually very winnable for us. Yeah, we need all the time with the receivers and wins that we can cultivate before the buffalo game yeah i think this is a good opportunity for these next three games um are relatively soft compared to what we just went through so i think it's a it's a good opportunity for rogers to start clicking with these receivers before like you said the the big test in buffalo as far as keys to the game what are you guys thinking oh well we talked about it our run defense needs to show up in full force I mean, you got Saquon Barkley getting that ball back there who he had 146 yards on 31 carries against the Bears, so we need to find a way to stop him, put the ball in the quarterback's hands. Yeah, um, Daniel Jones, too. If he ends up playing, um, he's got legs, too. He can take off at any time, and we need to respect his running ability. If it turns out that he's not going to play, I think that, really limits what the Giants are going to be able to do, especially if they won't have their second string quarterback either. 
So, boy, if we lose this game, <laughs> I think uh, this will be a worse loss than the Patriots would have been. I was saying this about the if we would have lost to the Patriots, I was saying that it might be worse than losing to Josh Rosen in uh, Lambeau. Like it was at 2018. Oh, because at God. least McCarthy yeah. got fired for it. Right. There'd have been no excuse. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. When you talk about Daniel Jones, though, I think it's kind of a their biggest weakness, too. You know, he can run, but, you know, he's got, I don't even know how many fumbles at this point in his career, but it's like astronomically high. And um, so far, they, they are three and one, but I think that's like, you know 2019 Packers territory like how did they how did the Packers end 13 and 3 but like they're a 3 and 1 team but i just don't see it they've they won against his wins his three wins are against Baker Mayfield uh, a Titans team that one week after the game against the Giants put up 7 points against Buffalo and then he just last week he got it against uh, Justin keep him off the field fields <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh not to mention their wide receiver room is just a wasteland right now i mean their their top options are david sills and richie james so if we can't shut that wide receiver room down i mean what are we even doing here obviously whenever you make claims like this those tend to lead to trap games so don't just walk in and assume you're taking this victory but just go out and perform like you're supposed to, and it should be an easy win. Yeah, but hopefully when halftime rolls around, uh, when they come out of the tunnel, the hood is taken off a Giants player, and oh my God, it's Bailey Zappi. <laughs> Ready to take you to overtime. <laughs> oh God, I hope not. I'm so glad we won this game. It would have been, been really difficult. Can you imagine being like Tom Brady was a six round draft pick who came in in relief of Drew Bledsoe and then became this Hall of Famer? Can you imagine us being a footnote in the Hall of Fame career of Bailey Zappi? Like he came in his first game in history <laughs> against the Green Bay Packers with a back to back NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau. Like, <laughs> oh my God, that would have been just insufferable. Like five against the Bengals. Yeah. To be the first domino to fall in that kind of thing is is never where you want to be. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think I'm ready for a poem. I, I feel like I need some culture in my life. Ryan and Cody are continuing their quick trip bet this week. And uh, one of you owes the other a haiku. This week, Cody guessed six out of nine games correctly nice while ryan guessed nine out of six backwards nice you know (laughs) if i fall in fantasy at least i win in the haiku bet (laughs) um so cody currently stands at 21 and 23 he's got some work to do to get back to 500 while ryan is comfortably at 26 and 18 Cody, I believe Ryan deserves some words. Would you like to words. recite your haiku? My haiku? <laughs> Would you like what to recite seventh grade? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to recite your haiku? I would love to. What's uh what's a who's the guy that hold on. Uh what was uh 
Okay, remember there's a light on in the attic? Shell Silverstein. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Krista. All right. <laughs> Krista with the assist off screen. Yeah. Now I forgot what, what the uh, joke was. <laughs> Never mind. All right. I've got the words ready to be heard. All right. Let's hear them. Ryan is stylin'. Rye, stylin', and profilin'. Ryan, profilin'. <laughs> Threw a little nature boy in there for Ryan. <laughs> Beautiful. Well done, Cody. Well done. <laughs> If uh, if we could hear snaps over the microphone, we would do that. All right, guys, let's uh, let's gear up for next week. Let's do another quick trip around the NFL. Once again, I will say the teams where they're playing, and you tell me your gut reaction: who's going to win? Thursday night, Colts at Denver. Denver. Colts. Sunday morning, Steelers at Bills. 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 Chargers at Browns. Chargers. Browns. Bears at Vikings. 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 Ugh. That taste in my mouth. <laughs> Lions at Patriots. Lions. Lions. Seahawks at Saints. Seahawks. Seahawks. Dolphins at Jets. Dolphins. Go Jets. Falcons at Buccaneers. Mm, give me Buccaneers. Buccaneers. Titans at Commanders. Titans. Commanders. Texans at Jags. Give me them Jags. Give me them Jags. <laughs> 49ers at Panthers. Uh, 49ers. Tough one. 49ers. Cowboys at Rams. Go with the rush. It's got to be the Cowboys. Going to put my faith in Big Mike and take the Cowboys. Eagles at Cardinals. Cardinals. Eagles. Bengals at Ravens. 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 And the Monday night game, Raiders at Chiefs. Chiefs. Raiders. All right. Good luck, boys. Nice to see Cody back on the Jags wagon. He even got me this time. <laughs> it's nice to see. <laughs> All right. So what are, the, what are the games we're looking forward to, boys? Personally, I'm really looking forward to the Bears and the Vikings game. It's division rivals. Hopefully the Bears can shut the Vikings up a little bit here. It would certainly give us a lot of help. For me, Bengals and Ravens. I think it's just going to be a slugfest. Uh, excited to see the stat line after that game. I'm actually looking forward to the Colts and Broncos game, um, mostly because it's it'll be like it's like a baby horse fighting an adult horse. <laughs> and we're really not sure who has the advantage here. Right, both of the running backs might be out. I love in the doc it just says Colts Broncos horse joke. <laughs> 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 oh man all right uh how what are we thinking for a score this week over in jolly old london i think it's going to be a low scoring game i think it's going to end up i'm going to say 10 to 7 packers i think there's going to be a lot of running a lot of time getting eaten away at that clock i don't know how you would convert um an nfl score to the metric system but i think they're going to win by <laughs> two touchdowns 
I think that's at least 64 meters. Yep, they're going to win by that. At least that. <laughs> at least that. Uh, we were horribly wrong last week. We all thought that it would be a route of um, New England by two touchdowns, and we were mistaken. We didn't know the electric kid <laughs> was going to be showing up, though. Yeah, we did not plan for Zappy Brannigan. Yeah, I think when Hoyer went out, I think everybody thought we'd win by five touchdowns. So, yeah. but then, uh, dread it, run from it, Bailey Zappy. <laughs> All that being said, I do think we uh, can handle the Giants over in London. Um, London games tend to be low-scoring affairs, but I believe Rodgers is a different breed than the other quarterbacks that have played in London, and I think we win comfortably. Maybe like 24 to 10. So, all right. Thanks for listening to the Deep Fried Cheese Nerds podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DF Cheese Nerds. That's nerds with a U. You can tell us your thoughts on the team. You can let us know what you think of the podcast. You can also watch podcast highlights on TikTok at DF Cheese Nerds Pod. And follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts to make sure you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next week. Uh, well, we best be hitting the road. Have a good one. Bye. I think um, when we talk about the Instagram or the Twitter, the at DF Cheese Nerds, we should say at DF Cheese Nerds, nerds with a U, because you are really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Throw keep that in, that in mind. Yeah. yeah.